Osceola McCarty died at the handsome age of 91. She was famous for a brief moment in the mid-90s because she had given away her life savings of something approaching $200,000 to help complete strangers get a college education at the University of Southern Mississippi. That was located in her hometown of Hattiesburg. She died in the frame house where she took in laundry and ironing and made her small fortune one dollar or two at a time. I was reminded of Osceola this week in an obituary I had stuck in a book of eulogies I keep in my library above my desk at home. This volume is among the few that I return to off and on over the years. I find it a bracing experience and often clarifying. One can read eulogies for their language and historical revelation, but I read them mostly as points of reference. In other words, I I read them for the meanings they impart, the life lessons and points of view about what's important, really important, and so on. I've always had a fondness for obituaries for the same reason. Beyond the facts, beyond so-and-so died yesterday of this or that, embedded behind and beneath the factual reporting lies clues to what purpose the life had been lived. Not always, but sometimes. And once in a great while, a person's life seems utterly transparent in the reporting of the facts. Occasionally I'll tear out such an obit and stick it in my book of eulogies. In the summer of 1995, Osceola decided to give away her estate, saying there was nothing in particular that she wanted to buy. She had lived a solitary existence, surrounded by rows of clothes she made pretty, for people who knew her only as the washerwoman. I'm giving it away so that the children won't have to work so hard like I did, she said. At the time her gift, at that time her gift had a huge impact. For someone who had only gone out for some preaching at Friendship Baptist Church and to buy groceries, she was little prepared for the honors that she received at the United Nations by President Clinton and for the reception of more than 300 awards, including an honorary doctorate from Harvard. Contributions from hundreds, eventually thousands of additional donors, made her initial gift a drop in the bucket of a much larger corpus. After hearing of her generosity, Ted Turner at the time said, if that little woman can give away everything she has, then I can give a billion. That was the first time someone promised to give a billion. And she was the inspiration. People would see her in airports and other public arenas and flock to her. 
Some wanted to touch her as though she was good luck. This effect intrigues me because, you know, she really did a very simple thing. Something that, say, everyone, anyone in this room could do in their own way. There's a lot of talk about self-esteem these days, she said. It seems pretty basic to me. If you want to feel proud of yourself, you've got to do things you can be proud of. Feelings follow actions. How refreshing is that? Basic indeed, but if it's so basic, then why did people just want to touch her as if by touching her they might have something good come their way, like a magic talisman? Feelings follow actions, she said. You want to feel really good about yourself, about your life? You have to do things that matter. Not big things, necessarily. Not things that are beyond the range of your life, like discovering a cure for cancer or giving a billion dollars. Although if you can, go for it. But simple, important things. Nevertheless, things that are well within your reach, like acts of courage in the face of injustice or compassionate volunteerism, putting your time and skill sets in service to others, and yes, financial generosity of a kind you had not considered before but are entirely capable of accomplishing, opportunities that come as regularly as rain. Want to feel really proud of yourself? Then do things you can be proud of, says our teacher, Osceola McCarty. Note how her simple, generous act tripped a contagion of generous acts and was multiplied more than a thousandfold. There's no telling how many lives she inspired. Even now, some years after her death, given that her gift was meant to benefit others in perpetuity. Do you imagine that your potential range of action is at least as large as a washerwoman from Hattiesburg? You see why I collect such stories and stick them in my book? It's bracing, enough to make you catch your breath if you're paying attention. Hold it up to your own life. And well, it makes you think. It makes you think. I know that a lot of time we don't want to think so hard. Still, since you've come today and I've got you listening, it does make you think, right? When just starting out in in this business as a director of a large youth fellowship in a prosperous suburb, 
I learned that an effective method of focusing the attention of my teens was to have them write their own obituaries. Maybe somewhere along the way you've had occasion to attempt this, but probably not recently. It's safe enough with teenagers because they still feel impervious to the onslaught of age. They can project out to a safe distance. It feels a bit more dangerous for most of us in this room. I can tell you that not one of them ever said anything about life as a washerwoman. But if the chemistry in our follow-up conversation was just right, they couldn't help themselves speak quietly, thoughtfully, and truthfully about matters of ultimate concern. When you start trying to summarize your life, what it's been about, what it means, what you've been up to, how you've spent it out. All it took was for someone to say something honest about God, and that couldn't come from me. It had to come from one of them. That's similar to our relationship here today. We have a kind of contractual arrangement. I will speak of ultimate things and you'll keep them at a safe distance. Once God actually slips into your own consciousness, once God actually slips in there, all bets are off. That's when someone like Osceola, for instance, just might actually live what she learned at Friendship Baptist Church. Osceola McCarty was, after all, a churchwoman as well as a washerwoman. She'd been nurtured on the words and music of faith. She had been steeped in the church's tradition. She would have known about Paul, how he had been thrown in prison for his work of spreading a universal message of redemptive love. She would have known of his letter to the Philippians that we heard today, how it had been written from a prison cell and yet simultaneously so full of joy. She would have known that Paul's strength came from a relationship to something larger than himself, better than himself, bigger than himself, larger than his own ego and expressed needs, larger than his own appetites. Osceola McCarty would have heard how Paul proclaimed, This one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Osceola would have heard the words of the prophets like Isaiah, who relentlessly reminded the Israelites that God desired what? Did you catch it? What had they failed to produce in the land? Justice and righteousness. That's what the prophets are all about. Proclaiming God's desire for justice and righteousness. She would have understood that citizenship in God's kingdom required integrity and mercy and humility, that these were the necessary ingredients of a healthy and peaceful community. She would have known how Jesus said the focal point of life could be summarized by the commandment, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. She understood that if her actions were consistent with that, she would feel very, very good about her life. She recognized that love was an action verb. Tangible actions were the mark of a true faith, not words in creeds and confessions. She knew well 
that love is as love does. Love is as love does. Oh, my, you know, friends, just as an aside, I would tell you that almost every conversation I have with people who have dilemmas in their lives, somewhere in the mix is a misunderstanding that love is as love does. And that love is actionable. And if it isn't, it isn't love. It's hot air. You know, I'm as confounded by someone like Osceola as you are. I mean, after all, I am the professional religionist, but Osceola, I tell you, is my teacher. Even all these years after she's gone, and because her obit fell out onto my desk, call it coincidence, call it nothing at all, a minor filing accident, just put it back and forget about it. Well, I did put it back, but I can't forget about it. Osceola has me all stirred up. Friends, as I mentioned last week, you are likely as bewildered as I am at this historical moment. The devastating hurricanes and earthquake, as well as human fashion debacles like Charlottesville, dysfunctional government, nuclear confrontation, a highly polarized political and cultural environment topped off by the shocking Las Vegas massacre. If you're like me, you can't hold on to this news. You can't take it all in. It's bewildering and disorienting. But as I said at the end of last Sunday's service, we are not powerless. We pray, of course, we lift victims and those who love them into God's tender embrace. But, friends, that, that really is just the beginning. Because faithful followers after the way of Jesus, those who seek to love the way he loves, know that there's work to be done. They know that God's justice and righteousness isn't an impotent, esoteric ideal, but a call to arms for the upbuilding of the common good. This takes many forms, large and small, and everyone has a role to play. So I say take current conditions as a call to action. Do not be stymied in looping cycles of tribal agreement on social media. Do not be stymied there. Do something. Give yourself away for the sake of someone else. Volunteer, make a difference somewhere, engage, donate, work. Rise up and be a lover 
of people and humanity. You've heard that Christ Church has fashioned this fall as a season for action. We're encouraging everyone to pick several specific opportunities for service to get our spiritual life focused where it should be. Where should it be focused? On others. And on the human community. Why? Because that's where you find the work of love going on. That's where your opportunity is. Join your hearts as an act of good faith and solidarity with those who seek to love God above all else and their neighbors as themselves. Doing that, you will find your life day by day growing in meaning and person, purpose. You will become substantial in love as you make a difference. Take the hands of the people in your pew and elsewhere and out beyond these walls. As Asiola understood, love is as love does. That's it. Actually, that's all of it.